as we do on Wednesday nights, we're going through a series now on prayers of the Bible, prayers of the Bible, and I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, I, I don't know if next week we're going to begin the Gospel of Mark, it might be, but don't hold me to it. If there's another prayer in the Bible, there's a lot of them in the Bible, but if I, if I come across one or two that I think maybe maybe we'll look at that, we may come back to our great prayers of the Bible study. But nonetheless, tonight we're in Ephesians 3, verses 17 and 18, and I want to direct you, I want to encourage you, I want to preach the Word of God to you, really a prayer of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians 3. Now, from the outset, I'm not going to preach the whole prayer. There's a lot here, and we, I, we studied it together a number of months ago. But I want to read it, and then I will read the section that particularly I will preach from. So follow with me as we get the context in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. This is Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Tonight, I want to preach the end of verse 17 and all of verse 18 and maybe a little bit into verse 19. The end of verse 17 begins with the little phrase that, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Paul prays for you to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So Lord, as we come now to your word, we thank you that the word has been given to us. It is sufficient. It is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for proof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. We thank you that the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. We pray that you would take your word and use it, Lord, in profound ways, in the heart of every person in this room, in ways that are far beyond what I could do. But Lord, may you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, apply this precious truth to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Could it be that our troubles, could it be that our troubles would be greatly resolved? If we experientially knew the exceeding love of Jesus Christ for us. Now, I didn't say that every hardship would go away. 
But could it be that our troubles would be greatly resolved if we experientially knew the exceeding love that Jesus Christ has for you? Christian, can I just remind you tonight, you know this, but you need to hear it again. Christian, Jesus loves you. He loves you with a fervent love. Jesus loves you with a, with a jealous love, with a hot love. We might even say that God has a triune love for His people. He has an everlasting love. He has an unwavering love. The love of Christ for His people is a tender love. It's a tender love. What a, what, what an amazing love that God would have for his people. Listen to this. God loved you from all eternity past. He loved you from all eternity past. So hear this. The love of Jesus Christ for his people does not waver in this life depending on your obedience. The love of Jesus for you, it does not increase when you do better and it does not decrease when you have those days and those weeks of coldness of heart and lukewarmness toward him. The love of God toward his people will never increase even in heaven. God has a steady, a perfect, a glorious love for you that is exceedingly wonderful. But get this, not because of you, but because of who you are in Christ, what God has made you to be in Christ. Could it be that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is in such a weak state in our day because we've lost our focus on the love of Christ. We argue and we fuss about so many things. There are, we, we rattle and we quibble and we, we get all upset about so many <clears throat> opinions and preferences and, and things in this world that, that can distract us. But listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 107.43 tells us to ponder the loving kindnesses of the Lord. I love that. The, I was looking up the, the word in Hebrew. It means to study, to ponder. We are called to study the loving kindnesses of the Lord in Psalm 107.43. Earlier in Psalm 106, verse 2, this, the Bible says, The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And just so you don't forget it, Psalm 136 will tell you that 22 times. Later on in Psalm 107, we are told in a little bit of kind of a refrain, a chorus, we are to thank God for his covenant love. Thank you, Lord, for your love. I read earlier from Psalm 36 in verse 8, how precious is your love. The Hebrew word for precious means how rare. How costly, how, how valuable, how precious is the love that God has for his people. 
Now, here in our study on prayer, I, I, w- I want to look at Ephesians 3 with you tonight, and Paul is particularly praying for the saints to know the love of Christ, to grasp the love of Christ, to experience the love of Christ, yes, even to feel the love of Christ in This prayer, Paul has three primary petitions. Number one, he wants you to be strengthened with power. Number two, he wants you to be ravished with the love of Christ. Number three, that you would be filled with God. And in this amazing prayer, Paul's going to explain the durability of love, the dimensions of love, the delightfulness of love. John 13, verse 1, Jesus loves his own to the max, to the end, to the uttermost, John 13, 1. In Ephesians 1, 5, God the Father predestined you in love in Christ. Yesterday, I came across John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he said, abide in my love. Do you hear that command? Abide in my love. John 15, 9. So what I want to do with you tonight, in the, in the time that remains, with the time that is before us, really just to prepare us for the prayer meeting, that our hearts would be brimming with praise, and we would just pour out prayers to God and prayers of worship and thanksgiving. I want to give you ten breathtaking realities about this love. And, and and believe it or not, I believe all 10 of these are exegetically drawn. You say, what? How in the world are you going to get 10 points from the verse and a half right here? I believe that I can prove them out of the text. I can exposit them textually. I, I want to give you 10 realities, but here's really the big point. I have one main point with Ten subpoints, really. I want you to be awed by the love of Christ. And then the flip side of that is I want you to grow in your affectionate love for Him. So I want you to know the love of Christ. I want you to enjoy the love of Christ. I want you to believe it. I want you to be comforted by it. And then, of course, to be affectionate in return in your love to Him. So, let's jump in. I've got 10 points to do here, so we better jump in. Number one, let's gaze upon the love of Christ. Number one, I want you to see it is an unchanging love of Christ. Now, look with me at the end of verse 17. The petition really begins with the word that. At the end of verse 17, Paul prays that you, believer, being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded. You know, and I know, we live in a world of change. We live in a world of change. From weather, to looks, to our intellect and our understanding, to to things that just deteriorate over time, to trends in culture, to preferences, to hobbies. Things change over time. Things change. We understand that. And yet the Bible teaches that God never changes. Never, ever does God change. And the Bible says his love is unchanging. Psalm 136, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. 
Now, at the end of verse 17, Paul prays that you who are rooted and grounded. I'm actually building all of point one on the Greek verb, the tense of the Greek verb. Because in the Greek language, there is one verbal form that is emphatic. it's, It's used to highlight what the author is conveying, and that's used here. And it's the verbal form that shows the state of being. The state of being. When Paul says, you are rooted, he says you are in the state of being rooted in this love. When he says that you are grounded, he says that you're in the state of being grounded in this love. It is unchanging. Christian, you exist in the changeless state of being loved by Christ from all eternity. You long, long, long ago, even before Genesis 1 and the world was created, you were a gift given from God the Father to the Son to redeem and to purchase. John 17, John 6, John 10 talks about those whom the Father has given to me. And the love of Jesus cannot fluctuate. It cannot change. Lamentations 3, we know it from the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, the loving kindnesses of the Lord never cease. They never cease. They never come to an end. The unchanging love of Christ. Reflect on that great love. Number two, not only is it unchanging, number two, it's saving. It's saving. The the love of Jesus Christ is a saving love. And I get this at the end of verse 17 with a very small little phrase in love. Paul prays that you being rooted and being grounded in love. That little word in is actually a very important phrase, preposition and a phrase in the Greek language. It reminds us that Jesus laid down his life for his bride, Ephesians 5.25. We are, a Christian is located within the sphere of divine love. You are in the realm of the love of Christ. You you are united to this love of Christ. It, It all begins with Christ. It finds its source in Christ. What's so remarkable about this word love is it's the word agape. We mention it from time to time. It it refers to a self-denying, a self-dying, a self-sacrificial giving for another person. This is the saving love of Christ. You're rooted, you're grounded in love. This is how we know love that God gave his son as a propitiation for us in 1 John 4. 9 and 10. Ponder the saving love of Christ. Think of this. There's no love that ever stoops like Christ's love. There's no love that ever suffered like the love of Christ. There's no love that is ever given like the love of Christ. There, there's no love that is ever satisfied like this saving love of Christ. How, how astonishing, how breathtaking, how 
baffling to the human mind that God who is infinitely good and God who is the very essence of perfect love would suffer the greatest cruelty for people like us. How astonishing that Jesus who is beloved by the Father That Jesus, who is the Son of the Beloved Father, would be put to anguish on the cross under the Father's wrath for you and for me. That is saving love. This is the saving love of Christ for the ungodly, Romans 5 verse 6. That Jesus, the eternal Son of God, would love ugly, deformed miserable creatures like us withering in our sin and that and that God and that Christ would love a condemned criminal like us that he would love a debtor that he would love rebels blasphemers slaves to lust captives to satan prisoners of the pit what saving love one of my favorite verses in revelation Middle of verse, uh, Revelation 1 verse 5, middle of the verse, to him who loves us. And he released us from our sins by his blood. What a great picture. He loves us and he freed us. He released us from our sins by his blood. This is full, free, faithful, saving love. You're rooted and you're grounded in the sphere. Of the saving love of Christ. You can give thanks for that. You're not outside the sphere of his love. You're inside the sphere of his love. Third. In your outline. Third. The love of Christ is a strong love. It is a strong love. In fact. The Bible says in Romans 8. That there is no power. That is able to separate you from the love of God. Remember that shall height and no, no, no principality and nothing in the heavens or on earth. But one of the words is power. No power can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ. At the end of Romans chapter, uh, pardon me, in Ephesians 3, verse 18, Paul says, you are rooted And you are grounded in love. The word grounded means you're established. You're cemented. You're firmly grounded in this love. Nothing can break this love. Nothing can crack this love. Nothing can shatter or move this foundation. And you know what's so neat about the verb at the end of verse 17? You're grounded. It's passive. You didn't do the work to get yourself in this love. You are the recipient of being grounded in this love. It is a strong love of Christ. I think of, you know, when the workers pour cement, right? They pour concrete and it's wet. And what does every child do, including my five? They go and they put their hand right in there, right? And what happens when it hardens over time? Cars can drive over it. Rain can fall on it. Snow, all the, the storms of life. And, and it's still there. It's still there. And that's the idea of being grounded in this love. Like Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6. Love is as strong as death. 
This is the mighty love that Jesus Christ has for his people. Which then leads us to number four in your outline. Number four, the particular love of Christ. The particular love of Christ. Now, look carefully with me at the beginning of verse 18, because that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend. Who's the you? Because he has a particular love for his people. Who's the you that you might be able to comprehend? Is it every person in the world? No. In fact, the context of the you goes all the way back to chapter 2, verse 13. Look with me at Ephesians 2, 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, look at this, you who formerly were far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then later on in verse 18 of chapter 2, for through Christ, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. These are believers. Paul says, I want you, Christian. I want you to be able to comprehend this love of Christ. It's a very particular love. Now, hang with me for a minute. God has a general love for his creation. Psalm 145 teaches that. God has a very general love for humanity. Sunshine, he gives life, he gives breath, he gives rain, he gives joy, he gives laughing, happiness. That's general love for humanity. Matthew chapter 6 talks about that. But God has a very particular love for his elect. He has a very specific love, a very saving love. Only for his elect. With the saints. And notice in verse 18. Notice how Paul prays. I want you to comprehend Christian. The love of Christ. Not on your own on a mountaintop somewhere. Do you see the phrase? Sometimes we forget it. With all the saints. It was actually mentioned tonight in ways that we can thank God for his love because the, the body of believers, the family of believers, the, the people of God. There's a very particular nature to this love of Christ. He loves his people in a supreme, in a particular way. And this love of Christ in a unique, almost in a kind of a mystical way, but in a, in a glorious way is uniquely understood with the saints, with the people of God, with the redeemed. It's the same kind of love in Psalm 23 when David the psalmist says, Surely goodness and love will pursue me all the days of my life. That's the kind of love of God toward his people. Well, well, let's learn more about this love. We've seen, number one, that this great love is unchanging, it is saving, it is strong, it is particular. Number five, it's wide. It's wide. Now, Ephesians 3 continues in verse 18. Paul prays, I want you to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, how wide the love of Christ. This is so great. Now, Paul kind of turns into the dimensions of the love. 
He's, he's now going to talk about the dimensions of the love of Christ. How wide, how broad is the love? That means the love of Jesus is so great that it can encompass a great multitude of people. Revelation 7, from every nation and tribe and tongue and people. It's wide enough to span every continent, every culture, every context, every color. The love of Jesus is wide enough to reach even into the lowest ditches and get, and get kind of the outcasts, the people that you never think could be saved. It's wide enough to get any person from any culture, from any context, from any background. How wide is the love? Of Christ. Number six, it's also long. The love of Christ is long. When we lived in California, the freeway that we would take from time to time was the I 10, the Interstate 10. Just a few weeks ago, we're on our family vacation going to the beach in Florida, and we get on. The I-10. And I had to verify how long this interstate is. It's not the longest one in the nation. It's the fourth longest. 2,500 miles long. The I-10. That's a long freeway. And the love of Christ is longer. It spans from eternity past all the way to eternity future. It, it's like one of those roads where it just seems to have no end in sight. I think you have a quote there. I, I think I put it in your outline by F.B. Meyer. Maybe I, I didn't now that I think about it. But F.B. Meyer said, There will always be as much horizon before us as there is behind us. When you have been gazing on the face of Jesus for a million ages, the beauty of Christ will be as fresh and fascinating and fathomless as when it was when you first saw him when you entered paradise. Because the love of Christ is long. Without beginning, without end. It's long, but it never gets boring. It never gets old. And speaking of this greatness of the dimensions of his love, it is wide, it is long. Now, look at this in verse 18, the dimensions now, look at the high love of Christ. Verse, number seven in your outline, the high love of Christ. Psalm 36, the love of the Lord stretches to the heavens. What an amazing love of Christ. It reaches to the heavens. An airplane goes a few miles in the air. You know, I was gripped when the astronauts launched and they go a lot higher than that in the air into space. But the love of Christ goes so high. Psalm 57, David said, it is great unto the heavens is your love. Now, why in the world would Paul in Ephesians 3 verse 18 talk about the love of Jesus being High. Here's why. Because earlier in Ephesians 2, this great love of Christ, it lifts you up out of your deadened state and it seats you in the heavenly places with Christ. You are safe. 
You are protected. That means that you're out of the reach of Satan because his love has lifted you up to the heavens. It means that the demons can't get you. It means that nothing in this world could ever pluck you out of the strong hand of Christ. Maybe like the the, the the highest sins, the highest mountains that you could fathom, the love of Christ covers the mountains of our iniquities. The flood were higher reached higher than the mountains, so we think of the love of Christ that covers all of the mountains of our sins. But it's high, but it's also deep in verse 18. Look now at number eight in your outline, the deep love of Christ. It is deep. Why deep? Because it's like an ocean. It can drown your sins. It's better than life. Psalm 63 verse three. The word for deep can also be used for the ocean floor. What do you mean the deep love of Jesus? It, it rescues people from the deep degradation of sin. It, it rescues people from the pit of Satan's evils. It, it rescues you from the dark depravity of sin. It, it's as deep as our Savior who left the glory of heaven and his exalted position. He came to earth to be born as a baby. He loved us. He sought us. He obeyed the law. He died for us. He went to the lowest depths to take the wrath of God that you and I so rightly and fully deserve so that a rebel could become a son of God, so that a sinner could now be a child of the living God. No wonder Charles Wesley wrote, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? How, however low someone's fall may be, how, however low someone's lot may be, the prostitute, the drunkard, the liar, the deceiver, self-righteous, the religious person who's lived a hypocritical life, never turning to the Savior, whatever the lowliness of that lot, the everlasting arms and love of Christ are strong enough even to snatch us out of the deep pit of sin. Praise the Lord for that love of Christ that is deep. And not only that, even for a believer... For a true Christian, even when a believer sins, the arms of the love of Christ are still underneath that person. They cannot sin their way out of the saving love of Christ. It is a deep love. Two more. And then I want to make a few words by way of conclusion. But no, number nine, by, by way of kind of drawing this to a close here in verse 19, the infinite love of Christ. It is an infinite love. Thomas Brooks, one of the Puritans, said, Oh, Lord, may it be that we would admire the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. What a great prayer. May it be that we would admire the love of Christ. No matter how much you know, there's still more to learn. 
And I know that, not just because I've experienced all the love of Christ, but even through the ages of eternity, because God is infinite, which means his character is infinite, which means that in heaven we will never fully fathom even one attribute of God. We we can know the love of God and we can know it truly, but we will never know it fully. And the word in verse 19 is, is an amazing word. Paul says, I want you to know the love of Christ. And then he throws in this little phrase, it surpasses knowledge. Okay. I'll give you English translations here. They're different. One English translation has it surpasses knowledge. Another one has it's too great to understand fully. Another commentator said it's so far beyond our comprehension. Another translator said it surpasses experiential knowledge. The the Greek language means to throw something far beyond. It's not just, just sort of knowing it a little bit. God throws his love so far beyond us. He just drapes us. He dwarfs us with his love. It goes beyond comparison. It's extraordinary, supreme, far more, much greater to a far degree. As great as God is, that's as great as his love is. You know, sometimes we kind of think of God as like a pie chart. You know, 5% holy, 5% love, 5% wrath, 5% just. God is 100% love. All of God is is perfectly love. And all of God is perfectly holy and all the other attributes that make God God. God is perfectly love. And the love of Christ, Paul prays, is for us to know this love. But it surpasses knowledge. It's infinite. We will never fully understand it, but we can know it truly. We can. Number 10, finally, number 10 in your outline. The love of Christ is to be known experientially. And I get that from the word in verse 19. I want you to know. This point comes from that Greek word, know, at the beginning of verse 19. I want you to know the love of Christ. The same word is found in Matthew 1.25 for Joseph, who did not know, he did not have relations with Mary, his wife, until, until Jesus was born. It's use of intimacy. It's a Greek word that means to experientially know, to, to understand, to perceive, to have knowledge deeply of something or someone. To not just know cognitively, but to know and to cling. It, it means to, to know something and then I act accordingly. You know, to have intimate, deep, heartfelt, unique closeness. You know, you might say, I, I, I I know the president. You do. You know about him. But you may not know him intimately and deeply in his heart. But I can also say, I know my wife. I know her better than you do. I know her better than anybody else in the world. I know her deeply. I know her intimately. I know her 
I know her uniquely. I know her in a close way. That's the way that Jesus prays for us in John 17. This is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He wants you to not just know about Christ. He wants you to know him intimately, deeply, uniquely, where you hold on to him, where you cling to him, where you enjoy him. You have Paul Gerhardt wrote a hymn. He was a German. He wrote it a number of centuries ago and John Wesley came across it and John Wesley translated it from German into English. This is what the experiential love is like. Follow with me in your outline. Oh, grant that nothing in my soul may dwell but thy pure love alone. May thy love possess my whole, my joy, my treasure, and my crown. All coldness from my heart remove. My every act, word, thought, be love. Oh, love, how cheering is thy ray. All pain before thy presence flies. Care, anguish, sorrow melt away where'er thy healing beams arise. O Jesus, nothing may I see, nothing desire or seek but thee. That's this kind of experiential love. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 I I know about Jesus. I've read the theology book. I've heard the sermon. I've gone to church. I've gone to catechism class. I know the devil knows more than us about Jesus. But this word here in verse 19, Paul prays. He says, Christian, I want you to know in this deep, intimate way. Now, amazing prayer, amazing prayer, amazing love of Christ, amazing truth that God has given. If I could sort of wrap my arms around all of the content of what I have just said and said, Christian, this is yours. This love is is for you from Christ. But for a non-Christian, nothing I've just said. Nothing I've just said is is yours. For any non-Christian, there is no saving, experiential, particular, high, wide, deep, long love of Christ for them. So the the, the reality of the scripture calls us to self-examination. Have I received this love? And if I have, Lord, take me deeper in this love. Satisfy me in the morning with your love, Moses prayed in Psalm 90. Satisfy me in the morning with your love. What a great love. What a satisfying love. What a breathtaking love. What an awesome love. What a divine love. And on and on we could go. With what Christ has given to us. If anyone is here and not a believer. Not in this love of Christ. Not in the sphere of this love. Come to him by faith. Humble, simple, childlike faith. To call upon the Lord. Ask him to save you. Ask him to change you. Thank him for this gospel that he would love his people even to death. 
and be raised from the dead for their justification. Praise the Lord for this free and available love of Christ. I want to end with this. In the 1700s, there's a woman named Anne Dutton. She was a pastor's wife, and when her husband died, she spent many of the latter years of her life really writing, writing letters and writing treatises and tracts and and just writing to encourage believers. She has a compilation of letters that she titled Letters on Spiritual Subjects. One of the letters she wrote was on the love of Christ. She said, the love of Christ to his people is a bottomless, boundless, endless ocean which swallows up their innumerable and mountainous sins because the love of Christ is infinite in its depth. She said, the love of Christ to his people, it overflows all their great sins, all their vilest ingratitudes, all their utmost unworthiness. This love of Christ loves its object so much that it loves it into its own image. It loved all sin out of them. It loved all grace into them. It freed them from all death and misery. It raised them to life. And then she said this. The love of Christ will be to true believers an infinite ocean of joy and glory where The Christian will live and bathe and dive to the praise of the glory of infinite love to endless ages of a blessed eternity. What words to live and bathe and dive into the infinite love of eternity. What a great picture of Christ's love. May we call upon the Lord's name and pray and seek Him and worship Him even tonight for His love. Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your love. Thank You for each one who is here tonight. Lord, whatever place of life Whatever's gone on today, whatever's gone on tonight, whatever has gone on this week, Lord, wherever we have been, oh God, I pray that by the power of your spirit, that you would take your word into our hearts and that we might know this love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge for the glory of Christ. Amen.